Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the HR status quo and how people are organized, engaged, and motivated to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, oh, I promise you're in the right place, and you know I always tell the truth. Today, the buzz is TikTok. Something's happening. The clock is ticking. There's pressure. Before I get into my explanation, let me just tell you, we're talking about a very important topic. You are listening to Changing the Game with HR Radio, and we're going to talk about the candidate experience. Why? Because that's how you're going to win the war on talent. There, that's just a little a little forespice on what we're going to be talking about. So let's get back to that clock. Tick-tock, tick-tock. HR is under intense pressure right now, today, this very second, to deliver a more consumer-grade experience, especially in recruiting. That's what we're talking about. Why? Because there is an overlap and it is growing. It's inching in toward each other between the customer and the job candidate. Think about it. Your company is selling, doing business, people are customers. Maybe they want to work for you. Maybe the people who work for you want to be customers. That gap is closing in. Why are we talking about this now? Well, digital and mobile experiences are influencing what job candidates expect. What do they expect? They expect value, quality, authenticity in your brand, in your marketing, in your career site, in your hiring process. From the first time they view a social post from your company or a job posting to the actual hire. That can be a long run or it can be very short depending on who they are. So here's HR alert. Listen up. It's time to rethink your candidate experience if you have any hope of recruiting top talent. You need them. They're out there. How are you going to get them to pay attention and want to work with you? My best advice for the next 55 minutes is listen up and take notes. The experts speak. We have a very interesting panel, great point of views, great interesting preparation for this conversation. Let me just tell you who they are. First up, we're going to be speaking with Stacy Alcida, Service Director in the Recruiting Practice at 3D Results. She'll tell us a little bit about her company later. She's joined by Tiffany Williams, a Solution Adoption Consultant with SAP Success Factors. And rounding out our stellar panel today is Jeff Mills, SAP Success Factors Director of Solution Management for Recruiting and Onboarding. Yes, they all have a foot, a toe in that pool of what we're talking about today. So let me first Welcome Stacy Alcides and Stacy has sent me a quote from Roy H. Williams. I think I knew who he was, but I refreshed my memory and I did what you know I always do. I go, went to Google and I Googled him and of course I found Wikipedia. So let's give a little background here. Roy H. is really Roy Hollister Williams. He's still around. He was born in 1958. He's a best-selling author and marketing consultant best known for his Wizard of Ads trilogy. He's the founder of the Wizard. Oh, we all want to be wizards at everything I know. He's the founder of the Wizard Academy Institute. He lives in Austin, Texas with his wife, Penny. I think there's a reason they mention his wife, Penny. Let's see. Well, is this interesting? Well, he attended Oklahoma State University before dropping out after day two. That's right, day two in college. And he's known for saying, I didn't really pay that close attention on the second day. (laughs) 
<laughs> okay. He hosts a live webcast on the second Monday of each month. There's the word second popping up there called The Wizard of Ads Live. Uh, he founded the Wizard Academy as a nonprofit 501c3 educational institution in Austin, Texas, providing in-depth teaching of the communication arts and the principles and philosophy espoused in his Wizard of Ads trilogy. And the Academy was the brainchild of his wife, Penny. There you go. Why? She wanted him to stay home and get off the road. So she said, let everybody come to Austin. Smart lady. Let's read the quote now from Roy H. Williams. The first step in exceeding your customer's expectations is to know those expectations. Stacy Alcides, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? Great. Thanks. I'm doing well. Thanks for joining me. Talk to me. Are you a big fan of Mr. Williams? And how come you picked this quote for our topic today? Yeah, I am a big fan of Mr. Williams. So one of the things that I I really like about him is that he studies how people engage with product marketing. He wants to find out why people do the things they do. Um, And that's what he's been using to really grow his business. But there are some things that that um, Roy said that really hit home um, in this quote for me and as it relates to this call. So customers' expectations, really, you need to look at customers' expectations the same way you do as candidates' expectations. So Roy believes that mass media is still the best way to grow a local business. Now, he believes that this may change in the future, but right now your best return on your investment for a local business still comes from TV, radio, and billboards. Now, that could be true for consumers of products, but what about growing your candidate pool? Mm -hmm. Candidates relate to your brands. They have almost an emotional tie to them. The more they hear about the brand, whether it's on TV, on the radio, on billboards as they're driving to and from work, the stronger that tie becomes. And with that emotional tie may very well become a desire to work for that organization. So in my mind, that begs the question, how do you maintain that emotional tie for your candidates? you need to know what they're expecting to see on your career site. The messaging presented to them should really carry the same undertones as your consumer messaging does. So just as you want to make it easy for your customer to purchase your product, you want it to be easy for your candidate to apply within your organization. So candidates, just as consumers, expect a very clean, simple navigation. They want to find the job quickly that's perfect for them without having to spend too much time looking. They're also on the move more than ever before. So just as I want to be able to search for a product online and purchase it from my mobile device, a candidate also wants that full apply process from beginning to end to join your organization and come and work for you. Um, And, you know, we're getting brand information on a daily and sometimes even hourly basis. So we're constantly being bombarded with brand information and, and some brands that we really love, right? And um, candidates are coming to expect that same sort of communication about where they are in the hiring process, as well as marketing of new jobs to them. Thank you, Stacy. Good overview, and I'm I'm very glad to know about Roy Williams. Certainly interesting, and thank you and for joining us. Let's welcome your first co-panelist. She is Tiffany Williams, Solution Adoption Consultant with SAP Success Factors. And Tiffany has sent us a quote from one of my favorite writers recently mm-hmm. and of all time. I still read his blog every single day, and it's Seth Godin. Sometimes, if those of you haven't found a way, go look up, Google him, find him. I think it's just Seth.com. 
Com. He's so famous. He's a one-name wonder. And his blog can be three or four sentences or three or four short paragraphs, but it's so to the point. So Seth Godin, born 1960, so he's two years younger than Roy H. Williams. Seth is an American author, entrepreneur, marketer, public speaker. He worked as a brand manager at Spinnaker Software from 1983 to 86. And here's what's interesting. He took $20,000 in savings, bravo Seth, to found Seth Godin Productions, primarily a book packaging business, out of his studio apartment in New York City. He founded Yo-Yo Dine. He is everywhere. He's got best-selling books. He speaks and people listen because he's smart and he knows knows how to package what he does. I'll leave it at that. Here is the quote Tiffany has selected from the many quote-worthy words from, from Seth Godin. Don't find customers for your products. Find products for your customers. Tiffany Williams, welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Excited to be here. Thanks, Bonnie, for we having are, me. Oh, we're delayed. We have to do a shout-out to, well, Jeff Mills, who's joining us in a minute. I helped put together this panel, as well as Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP, who sponsors the series. So thank you to both of them. So, Tiffany, tell me, are you a big fan of Seth Godin like I am? I am. I am. And I think this quote, I guess, you know, really sums up what you were saying a minute ago about being right to the point, you know, and, and very few words he was able to really get to the heart, I think, if you were to exchange the word customer for candidate, um, that's exactly what we're talking about today is creating that good candidate experience. And, you know, in the world of talent acquisition, we need to be mindful not only of our customers um, who drive our revenue, but also our candidates um, and what their experience is like. And as you're looking at selecting particular technologies or strategies, how does that align to the target audience that you're trying to attract? Um, and certainly, you know, again, talking about the war on talent, it's even more crucial now than it was even five years ago. So um, I, I just love this quote for that reason. I think it really does a great job of summing up exactly what we're trying to achieve here. I think what we're going to share more of today during our, our time together. We are. Tiffany, thank you. Question for you. Is the candidate, has the candidate become the customer? Is the candidate the buyer of a job role in your company? Of course, you're going to pay them when you hire them. But in fact, is the candidate in a position now sitting there in that armchair or whatever swivel chair or in their sports car or mm -hmm. running their drone and saying, well, should mm -hmm. I engage with this company and trust my career to them, my livelihood, mm -hmm. my reputation? Should I buy, quote unquote, a role in this company? What do you think? Mm -hmm. Has it, everything changed? Absolutely, and quite honestly, the trends that we're seeing and that I'm even seeing in my role as I'm engaging with prospective customers today is that the role between HR and marketing really is beginning to blur, and we're starting to see trends where even HR is starting to report in to marketing, um, or they have the same direct report, um, and I find that oftentimes when I sit down at a table with a team of talent acquisition leadership, oftentimes there is somebody there from marketing as well. So, um, and the reason is they're looking to create that end-to-end -end experience, that cohesive branding, because we know that oftentimes candidates are customers and customers are candidates. So that makes perfect sense, and yes, that, that is absolutely the case. 
Thank you very much, Tiffany Williams. And let's round out the panel. He's been waiting very patiently for us to get to him. It's Jeff Mills, SAP Success Factors Director of Solution Management for Recruiting and Onboarding. There's that magic word, recruiting. And Jeff has sent me a quote from Margaret Mead, who is often quoted here on the show. Those of you who have not been around very long or have been hiding under a rock, Margaret Mead lived from 1901 to 1978. She was an American cultural anthropologist, frequently featured as an author and speaker in the mass media back in the 60s and 70s. I don't think anybody on this panel was even even alive back then. She earned her bachelor's degree at Barnard College, which is affiliated with, yes, in New York City, uh, Barnard and Columbia, and MA and PhDs from Columbia University. And she's most famous for her reports about modern American and Western culture and the attitudes towards sex. I said the word in the South Pacific <laughs> and Southeast Asian traditional culture cultures, how they influenced the 1960s sexual revolution around the world. Enough about Margaret Mead. Here is the quote Jeff has picked. And I'm just going to read a short piece of it, Jeff. A knowledge of one other culture should sharpen our ability to scrutinize more steadily, to appreciate more lovingly our own. Jeff Mills, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me, and thanks for putting together this panel. Very interesting people joining you today. So tell me, you know I'm going to ask you, you a big fan of Margaret Mead's, and how does this quote apply to our topic today, Jeff? Yeah, certainly. Um, I am. So I, I was schooled in anthropology, so uh, of course I've pl- uh, spent plenty of time learning about Mrs. Uh, Mead. Um, and this is really something that is always this approach of anthropology, um, the one that it takes around, you know, understanding of what drives people, what is creating culture, uh, the impact uh, of melding of cultures has had on society. It, it's something that I've always uh, generally looked at when I when I look at the world. I mean, take for example, you talk about looking outside of your own culture, uh, scrutinizing other cultures, taking a look, and you know, uh, something that we all know very well. You know, take pasta as an example. Could you imagine if? Uh, if uh, Marco Polo decided to stay home and never brought that back from uh, the Eastern world, that would be a, a very different world that we live in today. Um, and it allows us to take a look at our own culture and see, you know, how do we how do we make it our own? How do we how do we make that change? Um, so, you know, as as I think about it more specifically to our topic today, though, uh, I think it's very relevant in the term of recruiters. Uh, you know, recruiters over the last. Oh geez, I don't know. A decade or so have been uh, asked to step into realms that are not necessarily traditional to recruiting, and it, it creates some level of slow adoption. So they're asking to play in the world of you know digital marketing as an example, um, and and oftentimes you know this is like jamming a square peg into a round hole. You you don't necessarily have uh, the right skills or experience or understanding of what that means. So. How can recruiters look outside of their world? How do they look at what they're doing and what others are doing? Uh, you know, how is a marketing organization or a sales team? How is customer relationship management operating? Um, and, you know, even outside of a company, looking at people and how they're creating their own brands for themselves in, in social and the digital world. You know, what is it they're doing and how do you make it your own? And so I just thought that this uh, was a pretty relevant topic here uh, to cover off on. 
end quote. Definitely. Thank you, Jeff. Very, very, uh, very good up, good point of view in how you applied it. My question is, do you think there is a CHRO, an HR executive, anybody with the title HR somewhere on their business card, whether it's physical or, or virtual today, who is not aware that this is going on, Jeff? Is anybody, like I say, uh, hiding under a rock or, or hiding on purpose not realizing that the times they are a change, and as Bob Dylan said, that <laughs> customers and candidates are, those roles are blurring, and the job candidate is actually a customer of your HR department, if you think of it that way. So, Jeff, any thoughts on, is this new, breaking news, what we're talking about today? No, I, I don't think it's necessarily breaking news. I think that, you know, in HR and specifically within talent acquisition, this is something that people know. Now, is it given the right level of priority and the right necessarily approach to how to tackle the problem? I think that's more of where the the opportunity lies for improvement rather than it being, you know, an ostrich with their head in the sand or someone that hasn't been, you know, uh, paying attention over the last decade. But it's just the, is it getting the right attention? Is it getting the... Is it, is it getting the help that it needs to actually move this forward? So that, that's kind of my thought on this. I, I don't think it's necessarily a, a lack of knowing, but it's one of those things like, you know, it's, uh, it's like you need to go in for an oil change, right? And you are looking at knowing that you need to get an oil change and you don't actually do it until the light comes on. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, it's that same type of approach. It, it, until you're forced to do it, a lot of times you just choose to ignore it. And I think we're at that, that junction of saying we're forced to do it. Thank you very much. Yes, very good. So there is an alert, as I mentioned, HR alert in my opening. I just want to make sure if I was right on point there. Thank you, Jeff Mills. Let's circle back to Stacey Alcides. And Stacey, I have an important, very personal question for you. On all of our Game Changer shows, we ask the question, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking right now while you're on the air? Where are you calling from? Or what do you plan to drink later? So Stacey, let's get to know you a little bit better. What are you drinking? Sure. Right now, I'm drinking a nice hot cup of lemon, honey, and apple cider vinegar water. Wow. That's That's all I can say. Doesn't it? (laughs) I'm puckering up just listening to you say it. I'm puckering. What does it taste like? A really wonderful, sweet honey water. Okay, and you're drinking this because is there a health reason or is it refreshing? It's it's over ni- almost 95 degrees here on Long Island in New York, so I'm wondering why you're drinking a hot drink. Tell us more. It's just that good, and I live in Minnesota, so we like our hot beverages even when it's warm out. Well, wow for you. (laughs) That is very interesting. Thank you. I'm still puckering thinking of what you just described. (laughs) Tiffany Williams. (laughs) Tiffany, I have to stop laughing. Tiffany, where are you calling from and what are you drinking today? Well, I'm also calling from Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, So, but maybe a different side of the city. So a little bit different bent here, but you can still pucker up. Um, I'm having an iced pomegranate green tea. So... Um, loving that, and that's kind of my treat in the summer. Instead of going hot, I go cold. Wow. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sounds very, very good. A lot of ice cubes in that, or, or how do you a treat it? What kind of, of ice a, gla- a lot of ice cubes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Nice to talk to you again, Tiffany. And let's find out, Jeff Mills, where are you? Are you in the same place they are? It's getting to be a little no, crowded over no, there. No, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm the rogue. So I'm actually calling in from Portland, Oregon. So the the land of craft, if you will, 
and Kraft, not the uh, food company. Kraft is in everything needs to be, you know, made from scratch, so to speak. So today, uh, well, right now, finishing up a cup of coffee that is brewed directly across the street from me, which is fantastic from a little, uh, a little uh, coffee roaster. But I think as soon as this is done, uh, I'll switch it over to a craft cocktail. I think that will be next. And that's uh, probably going the lines of, uh, let's go for the Guido's Kiss. I think that sounds good, which is a uh, which is rum, Benedictine, yellow chartreuse, and Angostura bitters. So that will be my little uh, reward to myself after completing this for the day. Wow, I've never heard of that drink. Thank you for the recipe. Very, very interesting. And by the way, I spent 10 years living in Eugene, Oregon, so I'm familiar with the area there. And yes, it was a lot of homemade and do-it-yourself DIY. And yes, we were certainly back to the earth people back in the day. I think it was in the, when was it? It was in the mid-70s to the mid-80s before I came back. So a shout out to Portland, to Eugene, to everybody out there on the West Coast. I am drinking cool, clear water in a cool, clear mug with a yellow straw because, unfortunately, the sun is not as present right now here on Long Island, New York, as it was a few minutes ago. Don't know why. Maybe it's going to plew tonight. I don't know. But I'm drinking water because Stacy, Tiffany, and Jeff, they don't let me have caffeine in any shape or form on days when I do Game Changers Radio. So this is a doubleheader day, so I haven't had any coffee today. I had a radio show live at 10 a.m. Here we are a little after 2 p.m. I am so pleased to be speaking with Stacy Alcides and Tiffany Williams. Stacy's with 3D Results, by the way. Stacy, before I go to break, quickly tell me in two sentences, what does 3D Results do? 3D Results is a leading implementer of Success Factors products, um, and the area I'm in is uh, specializing in the recruiting, um, the recruiting area of the business. Thank you very much. There's that magic word, recruiting, again. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go to a quick break, and we will be back. Our topic is a very important one. Your company has to hire someone somewhere, somehow, some way, and the times they are a changing. So is that person considering you a source of a job, a source of a career, a source of income, a source of esteem, prestige? How is your candidate experience? Is it easy, seamless, customer-friendly? They're now becoming your customer. They may not be buying a product or service from you. They may be in the position to think they are buying a job or a role or a fabulous career from you. How do you present yourself? There's a war on talent out there. Wake up, H-R-C-H-R-O. We're going to help you figure out what you need to do to move it ahead. So our topic, again, winning the war on talent with the candidate experience. We're going to take a quick break. Do not even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. From setting up the right structures, enabling technology, and compliant operations, to hiring, developing, and cultivating a culture of success, SAP Success Factors is excited to be your partner in redefining what human resources can deliver to business leaders. Changing the Game with HR brings you insights from the movers and shakers who are making this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges from the boardroom to the shop floor and learn what is working and what has to change, all to help you change HR from transactional to transformational. 
Tune in to the Business Channel to hear today's top human resources business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how human resources leaders are shaping the future of change for all of us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Changing the Game with HR. I think that's a great idea, and here we are changing the game with HR. I'm speaking today with Stacy Alcides at 3D Results, Tiffany Williams, and Jeff Mills at SAP Success Factors. We're trying to win that war on talent. We're going to help you figure out how. Stacy and I had a little chat off air during the break, and we decided here's where we're going to start the roundtable. Then, of course, we'll have Tiffany and Jeff chime in, and we'll go around the table with a whole bunch of interesting topics. Stacy told me, before the show, she said employment branding should be clear to candidates. What does your organization stand for? Think about this. Your mission, your vision, your values, your benefits, your culture should be clearly defined and communicated to candidates to help attract them to apply for the jobs. You want top talent, you've got to do it right. Stacey Alcides, why don't you lay this out for us? Expand it, please, for a couple of minutes, and then we will invite Tiffany and Jeff to add their point of view. Go ahead, Stacy. Great. Thanks, Bonnie. So first, I'd like to just define what is employment branding? It's it's the image a company projects as a potential employer. So who are you as an employer? It affects every single touch point an organization has with an employee. Um, if you think about the life cycle, it begins before someone even comes in to work for you. A person understands your brand. They they see it all the time um, in commercials, in magazines, on billboards, on the radio. And it affects then a candidate as they search for a job with you within your career site. It extends into the recruitment and onboarding process as well. And then every single aspect of their employment with your organization from training, um, development of career paths, benefits, incentives, all the way through the exit of your organization and beyond, um, all touches on employment branding. Um, Companies that have a really strong employer branding are more likely to be seen as an excellent place to work with really strong values. If you're able to establish and maintain that consistent brand, you're going to be able to attract and retain the right talent. Um, You have a, a positive perception as an employer, and it becomes much easier to recruit talent. People will come to you more so than you have to go out and try to recruit them. By increasing your own identification uh, with the company and creating that emotional tie, and I, I feel like it always sort of comes back to that emotional tie and that bond that you have with that candidate, it's going to further increase the loyalty of those highly qualified and committed employees. Thank you, Stacy. Love to get Tiffany Williams to chime in here. Tiffany, agree, disagree? What would you like to add to that? We want to hear what you have to say. Agree. And I think, you know, I was just reading a study not that long ago on this very topic, and one of the things that really stood out to me was the fact that um, candidates are most interested in learning about the values of your company. 
So as you think about branding um, and the messaging that you want to put out there, values would be high on that list of things to consider um, putting front and center. This is important to, to, to uh, candidates because, again, if this is a place where they're going to land their career, they're going to spend a long time, they want to align to the values of the organization. And another thing to think about, I think, with this, too, that is extremely powerful in addition to just simply putting branding and messaging um, in your marketing strategy is also thinking about your employee base. They can be a great channel for marketing on your behalf, and we'll probably hopefully get into talking a little bit about employee mm-hmm. referrals later. But, um, you know, we found that employee content is actually shared eight times more and is reshared 25 times more frequently. So think about how powerful that is. It doesn't cost you nearly anything. Um, but by, again, empowering your employees to be able to share what is great about your company and why, why they stand for, for this company can be a really powerful tool in terms of attracting and converting talent when we're talking about marketing. So um, I absolutely agree. I think those would be two things that I would, you know, focus in on. Thank you, Tiffany. And yes, let's Mm -hmm. make a point of coming back to employee referrals. It it is a very important part of this topic. So when Mm -hmm. I get to you, you can blend it in. Yes, make sure. Jeff Mills, talk to us. Yeah, I I think that uh, Stacey had a really good point, um, you know, talking about strong brand is important and the perception and the value. The only thing I would like to add to that is, uh, if I'm going to go back to... uh, the comic book world of it is the Spider-Man quote, great power comes with great responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in, in how I would apply this is, is that, um, you know, the responsibility in employer branding, in my opinion, is, is focus, focusing on authenticity. So mm-hmm. are you being authentic about your brand? Are you being true to who you are in the values and the actual cultures, as Tiffany talks about, you know, are, are you are you being honest about those, and are you portraying them in the right way? I, I, I don't know how many times I see companies trying to talk about how they have this fun, flexible environment, or you know, there's free snacks or something along those lines, thinking that this is a way of you know attracting candidates. When you know, how long is someone going to stay at a company because they get a free soda every now and then, right? So it's the you know, trying to be true to who you are um, in, in a real short story that I had is I gave an example of a company that I thought was doing a really cool job of their employer brand. And one of the, the people in the audience stood up and said, well, wait a minute, you know, we're a 130-year-old mining company. We're not that cool. I said, well, mm. you know, what are your core values? And they're like, well, you know, we're the oldest mining company in the world. We, you know, we're in 130 different countries around the world. You know, people have worked for us their entire lives. I'm like, so longevity, strength, commitment, consistency are pretty important values to a lot of people. So, you know, it's not about trying to be the coolest person in school. It's about being really authentic with your brand and in, in, in putting that out front to your candidates. Jeff, that was a great example. And if I can be uh, a, not facetious at all, but a double entendre, you help them mine their values right? Ah, very true. Very true. <laughs> bada good bing, time. bada bing, bada bing. Now, <laughs> Stacy, before I come back to you on comments, because we're having a good conversation here, I took the opportunity to Google emotion and emotional culture for candidates. So with your permission, may I read just a little bit of what, what I found, Stacy? 
Absolutely, yeah. Okay, I, I found a very interesting article written just this year, March 3rd, 2016, by Sheila Lothian, L-O-T-H-I-A-N. The website is Mattersight, M-A-T-T-E-R-S-I-G-H-T dot com. It's a blog, and the title of the blog, I won't read the whole thing, Three Facts About Employee Emotions That Every Hiring Manager Needs to Know. And let me just read this little snippet. I think this is very germane to what you said. The research behind a recent Harvard Business Review article found that a company's emotional culture Culture. There we said it. Influences uh-huh. everything from satisfaction, teamwork, mm-hmm. and burnout to financial performance. Positive cultures directly correlate to higher engagement, greater creativity, improved teamwork, and better decision making, while negative cultures can devastate things like performance and turnover rates. Moreover, every organization has, a ter- has an emotional culture, even if it's one of suppression. Here's, here's the point I want to make for all three of you. With candidates, listen to this, with candidates now solidly in the driver's seat of today's job market, just how significantly does emotional satisfaction factor factor into sorry factor into the work related decisions and choices people are making now stacy is that right on point there I think it's absolutely right on point. Um, we all know that a, a happy candidate or a happy employee is more likely to stay um, and be more productive uh, in their job. so I absolutely agree with that and and want to echo what Jeff was saying just about. Um, how critical it is to be authentic with your messaging. If, if you're telling a candidate something that's not true about your organization, they're not going to stay long once they are hired in if that's something that's important to them, to have been in that type of culture that, was, that they were sold into, um, just to find it's not quite that way. So really critical to be very honest about what your culture is like within your organization. Thank you very much. Good opening topic from Stacy. And now, Tiffany, I'm looking at your notes. Let's see where we'd like to go. Recruiters need to change into more marketing mentality than just recruiting. I think that's a good place to start with you, Tiffany. We know that recruiters of the past have been solidly focused on, I guess it's capital R, recruiting. But with the change in marketing tactics to attract candidates, recruiters need to have updated, refined skill sets to reflect this evolution. We've already talked mm-hmm. about branding. Let's, let's build that out. So do they know this? Who's going to train them? Who's going to update those skill sets? And Tiffany may yeah. be more important because HR is working. They have a job. They were hired <laughs> to do a job and they can lose that job. So is, are we seeing this evolution turning into revolutionary where HR might lose their job and have to give in to newcomers like millennials who get it? Tiffany, I think we're in some very interesting <laughs> waters here. So why don't you expand this for me? It is, and I think I, I I gave a little nod to this early on today in our in our time together. But you know, those lines are are definitely blurring between HR and marketing. And as I stated, you know, we are seeing organizations that are choosing to have HR marketing report up to the same senior executive for that very reason, um, trying to streamline what they're doing. And so, I guess you'd ask the question, you know, who's going to train or mentor? I think it's going to naturally evolve. Um, over time, um, for sure. And I think millennials will play a larger role in that. It is something that's intuitive to them. Um, from the moment they were born, they had some piece of technology in their hand. Um, and certainly in, in, 
you know, social technology as well. So, um, which plays a big role into kind of what we're talking about today in terms of branding and marketing and being able to reach those, those audiences. So I do see all of that happening. Um, but interestingly enough, I think if we were just to go kind of smaller scale here and just look at kind of real-life situation where we may have some larger organizations who are morphing and some that are not, um, when I sit, sit down oftentimes with customers, but one of the first things that we'll do is we'll walk through their own career site. And I'm always mm-hmm. taken back by the recruiters or even the senior leadership in the room that haven't even spent time looking at their own career site in the last 12 to 24 months. They haven't wow. gone through their apply process. They haven't, you know, they can't tell me, well, that image that we had out there is, you know, two years old. I don't know why we made that decision or, you know, that content isn't relevant anymore. We don't have that location. Oftentimes they're very, very outdated. And when we think about it, we know from analytics, career site is typically one of the top sources of higher end visits. So it should mm-hmm. be the first place in your strategy um, that you should be going to to start to build upon. Um, and making sure that your career site not only is, is easy to navigate, but has strong branding entwined into it. So, um, you know, like sometimes it's right in, right in front of you, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you don't need to be an expert, um, but, you know, you need to sometimes stop and take a look at what you have today, and, and is that spot on, in particular when it, com- when it comes to your career site. Thank you. I think this is an alert. I was uh, talking to Jeff a few minutes ago saying, do you think anybody in HR is not aware that they need to change and morph and evolve? Yeah. And and I think we just found the answer to that, Jeff, is they damn well better take a look at their marketing yeah. materials. And it could be virtual. It could be printed mostly mm-hmm. today. Obviously, first line of, of recruiting would be, as as uh, Tiffany just said, would be the website or, or blogs or something or their presence on social media, their hashtag, their handle on Twitter, whatever it is. So, Jeff, love to get your point of view on what Tiffany, this breaking news from Tiffany Williams. Talk to me. Yeah, no, and uh, I mean, this is this is a topic that's uh, been, it's been important and been relevant in a majority of my life over the last 15 years is this type of change. So, um, as Tiffany is saying, is, you know, looking at some of the core and the basics, but let me give you one kind of fun fact here is that, you know, about... Ten years ago, there was research done uh, uh, of RFPs that had required uh, functionality for email marketing systems. So companies would go out, say, I have an RFP. I need these 500 things that have to be required. They went back to those same customers three years later, and they said, okay, what have you actually deployed? And they found out that 85% of the required functionality that they had in their RFP had never been deployed. Mm. So what, what, what this is kind of coming back to is this point that Tiffany is saying is that look at the base, look at the core, mm-hmm. look, what are you doing right? Uh, you know, stop daydreaming so much about mm-hmm. what you might do in five years. Yes, I think having that long-term vision is important, but that shouldn't be your guiding strategy for what today is. Be very pragmatic in your approach. Have you looked at the actual content on your site? Have you looked how it's laid out? So one thing to hit on, if I, if I have a moment to do it, is sure, of course. Uh, George A. Miller, uh, who's a cognitive psychologist, you know, kind of known as the father of cognitive psychology, who's the power of seven, I believe is what it was, it basically said that people only have the ability to store five to nine pieces of information in their working brain. 
And if you go and, and, and so if you take this, what that means is you go and you look at a website and you have a poorly designed website or it's so heavily focused on brand that things aren't clear as to what the path is, where people need to go, what they need to do, what the content says on the page. They're going to use up all of those pieces in their memory trying to just navigate the site, not even be able to pay attention to it. So how do you streamline that experience for a candidate to be effective for them? So that's kind of the baseline to take a look at is at the base level of someone, how is the experience actually working? How's the content working? Thank you, Jeff. And a great point about uh, George A. Miller. I just looked him up. Well, you knew I was going to. Uh, the article <laughs> I found is the magic number seven plus or minus two, some yep. limits in our capacity for processing information. Fascinating. Wow. Thank you very much for bringing that up. Yes, I, I'm in the process of weeding out my bookshelf. I have a personal radio show on a different channel Monday nights, and I interview new authors, many of whom are, are writing, self-publishing, social and self-help topics. We'll just loosely term them that. And there was one, how do you get a squirrel to pay attention? Talking about the time, sp- the attention span of a squirrel mm-hmm. versus a goldfish versus a human being. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. yes, you have to think about the magical number seven, plus or minus two. That book would have been much shorter. Thank you, Jeff. Great reference. Stacey Alcides, I'm going around the table toward you. You've been listening. Tiffany started this topic. Jeff added to it. What would you like to share with us, Stacey? Yeah, I think they both really hit the nail on the head around mm-hmm. needing to um, make sure that they're really kind of folding in with the marketing team. I think another another layer to that, um, which, again, adds more to their plate, but um, is to understand data, not necessarily to be a full business analyst, but to understand data that's coming in. Um, data is so powerful, and being able to make decisions on where they are going to post their jobs on paid job boards based on, um, uh, you know, the actual return on their investment, the true return on their investment for that job board is going to be really important as well. So, they're not wasting their time posting jobs to job boards where they're not getting a good return on that investment. So absolutely marketing is important. Keeping those candidates warm as a recruiter with a capital R is important. And so is understanding data and being able to consume that in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I like the way uh, I think I said that a few minutes ago, recruiting with a capital R, and I'm glad it resonated because you're the expert. I'm just the observer. So thank you very much. Tiffany, you certainly started an interesting thread here in our roundtable conversation. Anything you'd like to add before I move on to something from Jeff's list? I, I think, you know, if we're staying on topic, I would just uh, reinforce what, what Stacy said about the analytics piece of it. Absolutely. And oftentimes, again, when I engage with customers, they do have data, which is a great thing, but oftentimes it isn't uh, socialized among the right circles of people. Um, and if you think about, you know, talent acquisition, talent acquisition, we really play a really significant role in getting the business off the ground and going. If it wasn't for talent acquisition, you wouldn't have people to be able to do the things to drive the revenue to, to make the company successful. So. Um, being able to take that data and socialize it and be able to empower recruiters and um, inform leadership about what you're doing is extremely powerful. So I would really just encourage people to, to pull that data out and start to really 
utilize that, um, oftentimes I think it just gets left on the drawing room floor, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. The cutting room floor, if you're thinking yep. of this as making a movie, right. Thank you, yep. Jeff. Jeff, Jeff, I'm ready to look at your notes here. Some very interesting thing I think we need to talk about digital transformation. It's a very, very common theme on many of our Game Changers shows. Jeff, let me put it in context here. I'm looking at your notes and you say, Marketing organizations have been going through digital transformations since 2002, and they have reached a level of maturity, here's the key, that can be leveraged across the organization. So why don't you expand this for us, please, Jeff Mills, and talk about how it is impacting the the domain of the CHRO, the HR organization, human capital, whatever you want to call it. How can digital transformation help them with everything we've been trying to share so far on the show? Yeah, I, I, I liken this to, um, you know, it's sort of the, the future is, is the direction of, of HR. Marketing is the future of the direction of recruiting and talent acquisition. And what I mean by this is, you know, since, since probably 2002, called the last 15 years or so, you know, marketing has undergone this funda- like, like fundamental shift and change from being very offline, you know, more advertising-based, beginning to dip their toe in a little bit of the digital to almost wholly digital and, and email uh, and web and search engine optimization and now, you know, much more uh, socially focused. And I think recruiting is on this uh, accelerated trajectory to follow behind that. So, you know, this is goes back to the Margaret Mead quote of, you know, Recruiters, you know, need to look outside of their own world to be able to be a little bit better. So how do you start leveraging what the marketing organization is doing for recruiting? And it's not just tools. And everyone goes back and I think just immediately goes to a tool or a software process or something like that. But it's more about how the business operates. You know, how are they building, you know, campaigns? What Campaign documentation do they have? And, and using that to help set your own mindset of what is it that actually needs to happen? Um, you know, what are the things that need to actually change? So if you start looking at, um, let's say, sourcing uh, as an example, and to the point earlier around, you know, like effective tracking is that, you know, as we know that uh, these sources change over time and by sourcing that job board, social networks, things like that, um, you know, w- there's been a fundamental change over the years of, you know, offline to online to social is, you know, if you start looking at the tracking information and looking at what your marketing organization is doing and how they've changed and how they track, and you start applying that same methodology to recruiting, but you're going to put the slant of, you know, people on it and looking mm-hmm. at things like how have the trends changed, where my hires are coming from, where my candidates are coming from, and then even looking further downstream because you you have the beauty of this data in a lot better format than marketing organizations have. Okay, if I go and I look at my top performers, where did they come from? How has that changed over time? You start really getting a good understanding of what is the direction of my company what is the direction of my recruiting? What is the direction of behavior online? And the marketing organization can oftentimes help you analyze the data. I don't think there's anyone better in a company than a marketing organization to understand data and data trends and what it means to you and how to leverage that information. 
Interesting. So, Jeff, would you say if we're looking at the table configuration in the C-suite, would you say that the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer, should be sitting next to the CHRO and they should actually be talking to each other from now on? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely should. I mean, the, the CMO has had a, you know, a seat at the table for a long time, right? And mm-hmm. the, the CHRO is, you know, it has been gaining seats at the table. Um, and, and I think, you know, having them be a really good ally to understand the table, so to speak, is, is a great one. And sitting right next to them to, to do the best that they can do, that, that's a very good analogy. Thank you very much. Very appreciated. Let's circle around the table and find out what Stacy Alcides at 3D Results has to say about this. Stacy, agree, disagree, or add something to it, please? Yeah, no, I definitely agree with what he's saying. And just to add on to um, the, the social media aspect of it, um, I read an interesting study on TechRadar.com where 35% of social media users have used their Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter account to find jobs. And 22% of those who browsed on social media actually submitted an application directly on the networking site. So it's not just enough to have a social media presence as a corporate organization. You need to also dedicate some space um, and, and some attention to your candidates because they are actively out there looking at the content on your Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter accounts. And, and they're, if they're interested in, their, in your company, they're paying attention. So not only do you need a presence, but you need to also keep your content up to date and fresh. If it's stale content that's been out there for six months, they're going to see that too. Thank you very much. Are you still with us? I heard a, a drop on your line. Are you okay, Stacy? I sure am. I'm still here. Okay, good. I just heard a blip. Now, Stacy, I have a, a point for you. I just looked up while you were speaking. Oh, you, you've got to be used to my Googling while we're talking right now. <laughs> we've, we've known each other for, what, all of 49 minutes? Yes, we're old friends. <laughs> I found a site uh, at Capterra.com called Top 15 Recruiting Statistics for 2014, and it talks about the recruiting landscape continues to shift as companies adopt new software tools and methods for screening. Let me just read a couple. I think this is very germane to our conversation. Tell me if it's not. Number one, 94% of recruiters use or plan to use social media for recruiting. Number two, employers who use social media to hire found a 49% improvement in candidate quality. Number three, millennials are changing the recruiting industry. An Aberdeen study found 73%, here we go, 73% of 18 to 34-year-olds found their last job through a social network. And one more, 30% of all Google searches, we're talking 300 million a month, are employment-related. Stacey, are you surprised? Jeff, are you surprised? Tiffany, anybody surprised? I am not surprised at all by that. And and as it was mentioned earlier, millennials uh, by Tiffany, you know, they basically were born with a device in their hand. Um, they know how to use um, social networking sites. They're out there on the web um, so, and very active on their mobile devices as well. So, so not surprised at all by those numbers. Thank you very much. Tiffany, what about you? Any thoughts on what I just shared? Interesting? Surprises? Uh, Not surprising at all. Um, I've been following the trends and the data for a number of years, and quite honestly, search engines and social and, again, your own career site, which we talked about a few minutes ago, really are the standouts um, that I see over and over and over as really the the champions when it comes to converting talent and engaging the right talent. Um, And there was a study that was done that just 
shared exactly those points and really emphasized the fact that there are really three main areas that people use, in particular, mobile technology for, that I can relate to, shopping for sure, travel for sure, and searching for a job. So absolutely, I think that that, that makes great sense and is all the more important that, you know, your strategy includes some type of mobile and social components to it. Thank you very much, Jeff. I think you started this. Let me ask you, what do you think about the numbers I, I provided? They may be about two years old, but do you think they've gone up in terms of increase of recruiters using social networking, social media to find candidates, the quality of candidates they find, and of the must be much more than 300 million Google searches now, do you think that the increase has occurred in people looking for employment online? Um, yeah, I mean, I think we're hitting a point of saturation, right, where only so ah. much can be done through a social channel. Um, and part of it is just, like, if you start looking at, you know, Facebook, Twitter, uh, I mean, Instagram um, is just kind of a couple of examples. You know, you can get into Snapchat or there's uh, one company I heard that uses basically a Tinder-like app in Europe to do employer branding, which I thought was really interesting feel like that might be a little, uh, you know, in front of uh, some of the mm-hmm. market. But um, it, what it comes down to is I, I think you do hit mm-hmm. a point of saturation, but it is going to continue to climb. But you have this so much noise ends up taking place on popular social channels, honestly, with people trying to sell stuff, market themselves, start spamming people yep. that, you know, they start turning, a blind eye starts getting turned to some of that. Twitter, I think, is a great example of it. I think Facebook is starting to become an example of it. So uh, it, I think it's going to continue. I think that mm-hmm. as the key to it, though, is as talent acquisition organizations become smarter about content marketing and how they market, that will drive, I think, further adoption and, you know, quality of hires. Because right now, throwing a job up on Facebook, for example, I mean, take, take professional so- social networks out of this, LinkedIn, Zing, things mm-hmm. like that. Take the popular social channels of things like Facebook and Instagram and starting to think beyond the job and start thinking much more about the culture and what you want to portray out there. I think that's where you'll start seeing some real adoption, and you'll start seeing some real solid acceleration in how social can be used. And then it becomes a pervasive component of a recruiter's life in how they actually source. So, Thank you, Jeff. You yes just I have no. to stop you because we've got two minutes left, but you know what? You just gave me your prediction, which I was going to ask you for anyway. So <laughs> we just started the crystal ball predictions <laughs> round. I have, unfortunately, 60 seconds for Stacy and 60 seconds for Tiffany, but I bet you can really pack a punch. So, Stacy, I'll see these 3D results. What do you see coming down the pike if we met again, let's say 2020 or a little bit later? What would change on winning the war on talent with the candidate experience? Go ahead, Stacy. Yeah, I think that there's two things I see sort of coming in the future. I think, number one, resumes are going to be a thing of the past. I don't think they're going to Yay. exist. Yay! I think that um, I, all active and passive job seekers are going to have really their own sort of professional profile, whether it's on their own website or not, that really showcases their work experience. Maybe it's in LinkedIn or some other social network, but I think there's going to be something that that exists out on the web that they don't need to go out and do a resume anymore. Um, I also think everything is going to go digital. Well, not everything, but almost everything. I think that candidates um, 
are, aren't going to come in for interviews anymore. They're going to do maybe go-to-meeting interviews. As we continue to expand into a global market and people are able to work remotely um, full-time, I think that that's going to become much more commonplace. Thank you. Very interesting. Resumes will be, that was me saying, yay, yeah, I, I, yeah, let's not go there. Okay, after all these years, you know, how do you get it down to a page and a half or two? What's important, what's not? <laughs> Tiffany Williams, I saved exactly, oh, I have 30 seconds for you, Tiffany. Talk oh, that's fast, okay. predict, please. That's okay, okay. because Stacey exactly stole my prediction. So <laughs> we're, we're aligned. <laughs> so so have- I would say video, screening, interviewing, I think resumes are going to morph or go away, but I think video. Video is going to become play a bigger role in strategy in terms of how we connect with people and how we do work. Okay, very very. I'm trying to capture this for Twitter. Mm-hmm. Video will increase in importance importance in job recruiting. Can I say that? Is that okay? Yep. And Tiffany? talent acquisition. Yeah. Talent mm-hmm. acquisition. Good. Okay, yeah. I've got to get us out of here. We're almost done. Stacy Alcides at 3D Results. Such a pleasure. Tiffany Williams, love the enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Jeff Mills, you put together a great panel, a lot of good insights. <laughs> Jeff, now you know what we do. Now you know how we roll, so I hope you'll come back. <laughs> this has been a really good conversation. We've been talking about winning the war on talent with the candidate experience. Hey, whoever you are running your company, Look at everything you have out there. It all matters. Spiff it up. Get with the program. Shout out to Justin and the Business Channel team. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Dr. Patty Fletcher at SAP as well. So here we go. Here's my call to action. Oh, this is the end of our broadcast week. We did five live shows this week. Woo! Here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'll see you next week with more live radio on Game Changers presented by SAP. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with HR, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.